welcome to the sermon cast from King Road Church. If you'd like to connect with us or browse resources, please go to kingroad.ca and click New Here. It's our desire that God uses this message to bring you closer to Him. First Timothy chapter 3 verses 8 to 13. One of the things about the Olympics is that not anyone can enter to compete in. In whatever sport you want to compete, you have to go through the qualification process. You can't just show up and say, hey, I want to compete in the Olympics. Right? It won't work. Therefore, they, they have the, the qualification process, the standards are set, and, and they want you to, to go through that. And if you qualify, you then are allowed to compete. In other words, that, that you have to do the work. There's requirements, there's standards to follow. And, and that's the same thing in our passage this morning we, we have, in order to carry out the role, one needs to meet the essential qualifications to, to carry out the duties that the one is being assigned to. And, and as we read this passage in First Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 13, what Pastor Paul preached in, in 1 to 7 last week, and you, as you read, and you notice that hardly mention the duties of these roles. Rather, the emphasis or the focus is more on, on candidates' reputation. How they behave, how they conduct themselves. Because it's not just the believers are watching them, also the unbelievers are watching them. What's their track record? So last week we learned about the elders. This morning we will be looking at deacons. Now there are two ongoing offices in the New Testament are being taught. Elders, who, who are also, uh, the, the words used as overseer, bishops, pastors. Time to time I call either Paul or Heinz bishop and they're, they're like, whoa, I'm not bishop. Like get used to it. Right? Uh, I, I, I said Bishop to Ernst one time. He showed up in the office. Good morning, Bishop. He's like, whoa, me? And he just all, like, all of a sudden, like, he was just... So, so once in a while, you, 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 you understand that. But, but that's jokes aside. That's the importance of that. Elders are pastors, overseers, bishops. And then you have deacons, the office of deacons, whose role is different than the elders. So these are the, the, the two main offices that we have in the church. So this morning, I don't have three points like normally have, or two points. I have four questions that I'll be, uh, we'll be looking at. The first one is, what is the difference between elders and deacons? What is the difference between elders and deacons? Now, the main difference is that the elders must be able to teach that's one of the requirements in verses 1 to 7. It says, must be able to teach. Whereas teaching is not the requirement for a deacon. 
But that does not mean that deacons shouldn't be able to teach or they should not know the Bible. They should know their Bible. They should be able to teach because when they're serving the people, providing counsel, they should be able to provide biblical counseling. Therefore, they need to be able to know and study their Bible. So that was question one. Question two, what is deacon then? The word deacon simply means a servant, like one who serves at the tables, that they care or minister to the people's needs. Now, some of you, you, you when you go to a restaurant, you're hungry, and, and you know you're waiting, and your server comes. You, you want to notice what kind of qualities that the server has to feed the hungry diner there. Now, as you go there, you man, you, you, you start to complain. Maybe sometimes I do that too. Like, man, service is really slow. The attitude is not right. You know, some of the servers, they come at the, the, the whole time. They don't talk to you. Hello, get your order. And off they go. And then it's time to pay the bill. And then they start the conversation. So, what's the plan? And you go like, Now? Okay, that means we have to do better in our tipping now, right? So, because we're being asked what are we doing now? And sometimes you struggle with that, man. All this time you weren't very nice, but now all of a sudden you're nice. Well, what's going on? But you also encounter some servers who are really, really on top of their game. You encounter them, they serve you really well, they treat you well, and you feel at home. Because that should be the, the goal of a server. That they're there to serve. And, and that same concept, notion, is being applied there. A deacon should be the one who should be serving wholeheartedly. Not just making the conversation at the end, but from the very beginning. That should be the attitude. Which leads now to a third question. We're flying so far, okay? There are four questions. Why were the deacons needed? The office of deacon uh, emerged as the church grew in size and the demands on the leadership required more functions. They, they had to, to do more things, which means now they had to look for people because they weren't able to do all of that stuff on their own. So they had to find people who could do the task. So they could delegate some of the things to the deacons. And if you turn with me to Acts chapter 6, we'll start at verse 1. Acts chapter 6 verse 1 says this, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. There is that concept of deacon serving tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said 
please the whole gathering. And then you have a list of names of those who will be serving in the next couple of verses. So, so you, you have the, this church that's growing in size, that, that the demand is increasing. The leaders or the elders or the pastors can't do it all. Therefore, they, they seek to, to find people who are godly, who can fulfill this role and who can be delegated with some of this task. They call them. And these guys took this office of serving very, very seriously. They really took care of the needs of the people in tangible ways. They were generous in their giving, in how they interacted with people. In Acts 2 and Acts 4, we, we see that, that the congregation contained both the wealthy and the poor people. And then those who had much, they, they would give much to others. Where we see prime example of a wealthy people like Barnabas, who literally gave all the money to the church so that nobody in the church would be without food or clothing or roof over their head. That was important to the early church. Now, they did not do all of this because they, they wanted to do good things and they wanted to gain a name for themselves. Or they were socialists. They did it out of Christian love. Because they themselves had experienced God's generosity through Christ in their lives. Therefore, it was important to them to put into practice what they have learned. So why did they want to do this? Why they want to give and serve to the people who are in need in the church? The answer is found in James chapter 2 verse 15, where James says this, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Caring for the people in tangible ways was the practice they did that. That's what we, we, we do that, some of these things in our church. Provide food. Perhaps help with the rent and things like that. And this, this was important to them. And that's why in Acts 6, we, we see that they go find people who are qualified, who have a good reputation, who are filled with the Spirit of God, to come and assist the leaders, the elders and the pastors and the overseers. Because the pastor cannot do all on his own, nor should he try to. Because then you're setting yourself up, up for failure. So you find people, delegate the stuff to them. And, and that, that, that's what we see here. So can anyone take the office of serving? The answer is no. 
Why? Because in Acts 6, we, they, we, we see the qualification there even for those people. They have to have a good reputation. They have to be full of the spirit and wisdom. Which now brings us to our fourth questions. And you might be thinking the sermon should be over in the next five minutes. It's not. I'm just getting started, okay? So... This brings us to our passage, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. What are the essential qualifications for the deacons? Verse 8, deacons, likewise. This, this word likewise, in a similar manner or the same way, is referring to the previous section, verses 1 to 7, where Paul gives a list of uh, qualifications for the elders, that this is how they should be. This is who you should be looking for. And now he says, in, in the same way, as you're looking for elders who should have all these quali qualifications, you should also look for deacons who should be serving. They must have these qualifications. And he says, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. Now, given the problems that the false teachers has caused, in the church in Ephesus, it's important and natural for Paul to focus on what the leader should be like. Not what they should do, although that is important also. But his emphasis is what they should be like. Who should you be looking for? Because anybody can do the job or you can train them, but do they have these qualifications? Do they act in a way that we expect them to. So he starts then with a list of qualifications. And qualification number one is this dignified. That they, they should be dignified. That the word means they must be worthy of respect or should be serious. Anyone who wants to serve in this office of service must be serious. They should be respected by the people in the church or in their community. Why? Because they're the one who are dealing with the people. So if they don't have the respect in the community or in the church, how would the people take them or receive them? So they need to be serious and worthy of respect as they, they serve in this role. And then he moves on to qualification number two, not double-tongued. Which means saying one thing to one person, another thing to another person. And this is bad in any person, whether you're serving in a, in a role in, in an office setting or as a Christian. By the way, all these qualifications are not just only for the, the elders, pastors, or the deacons. They all apply to all of us. And you should be thinking, you shouldn't be thinking like, oh, this is just for the pastors. Let's keep an eye on them. We should also be keeping an eye on ourselves too. How we conduct ourselves, how we ought to behave in, in different situations. Not double tongue. It would be especially bad for an officer who's serving in this role to, to hear one thing from one person and say it to the other. 
And therefore, this qualification is as important. And I'm pretty sure none of you have ever done that. Right? I mean, I have. I've been there. You guys all holy. We all have done that. But what, what he's applying and encouraging and challenging us here is that we need to watch, be on our guard. You have to be very, very intentional because the Spirit of God will come and convict you. They don't just tear from here and just go pass it on to the others. Qualification number three, not addicted to much wine. Now, Paul does not forbid the use of wine as it was a common drink in that day. But the love of too much, he does condone it or commands not to be addicted to it. Instead of getting drunk with wine, they should be filled with the Spirit that we read in Ephesians 5.18 and also as it was alluded in Acts chapter 6. But we should also notice here that the word he, he emphasized on the word much. They shouldn't be addicted to much wine. Addiction to little wine versus much wine is not the, the point. The point is if that becomes a habit, you should not be serving Because if you recall some of the things in Genesis, when, when they get drunk, things get worse. You, you story of Lot. In Genesis 19. Or, or in this case here, what, what you have here, if, if a deacon is given the role to serve and his job is to go and meet the fell needs in the church people, church community and the community outside the church and let's say he has to deliver food and this individual is addicted to wine is the food going to get there? Probably not and the church office is getting phone calls when are we getting our food? Therefore, they shouldn't be doing this because it's an important role and he wants to make sure that these guys watch and they're not addicted to that. Qualification number four, not greedy for dishonest gain. This might be a little longer. What he's saying here, instead of being greedy and dishonest gain, they, they, they need to be satisfied if you're content and satisfied with what you have, you wouldn't be thinking about gaining and being greedy. You will not look for ways to gain in dishonest ways. Rather, you be content. And there's a reason that he inserts this qualification here. Because if you read in, Acts, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 8 to 10, we find there, he writes this, but if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. If we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. 
For the love of money is root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. That the word pang simply means distress or anxiety had taken over. The love of money is root of all kinds of evils. Avoid that. If you are serving as a deacon, you have control over money too. Because you're helping someone in the church or in the community, helping with their rent. So instead of helping them, it may go into your own pocket. So you want people who are of good reputation to serve this. In 2008, I sent some money to Pakistan to, to help some of the families uh, in, in our village, uh, I, I sent the money to a friend, and um, it was Christmas time because I wanted to send some money to, to, to help those guys. And it, as the money got there, uh, the next day I called some of these people and did you guys uh, get what you were needing? And they said, no. And I'm like, oh, there, there should be money coming to you. They're like, no, we never got the money. So the guy who was sent the money, he used it for his own uh, needs and all that stuff, and money never made it to where it should be. Now, you may think that this problem only occurs in those developing countries, as we say, but this problem also occurs in, in our culture here, too. It's part of the human problem. It's here, too. That's one way to look at the greed and gaining in dishonest ways. In, in what ways do we, do, do we try to gain in dishonest ways and, and, and we're greedy? We, we all do in different ways. A number of years ago, I was officiating a, a, a wedding, and, and this couple uh, who wanted to uh, give me a, a gift card uh, of Keg's restaurant, $100 gift card. By the way, Keg's is overrated. I don't know why people go there. I, I, listen, yes, I've been there, was get, given a gift card. It's overrated. I, like, why would I go there? I don't know. Uh, because only I was given a gift card. So, I, so they, they wanted me to have this gift card of $100 uh, to say thank you. And I said, I can't take this. And they said, like, no, why can't you take that? I said, well, because it's my pastoral duty to officiate your wedding. I can't take this. Then no, no, we really want you to, to have this and take, you, take your wife uh, for dinner at Kegs. And I'm like, well, Keg again. Why would I go to Keg? Um, <laughs> <a> anyway... <laughs> Anyway, the, the, the reason I'm saying this, because nobody's watching me now. They gave it to me, they insist that you should have it. But, but the part of the, the, the structure, the leadership uh, has set up at the church was, anytime a pastor gets a gift card, it should come back to the office. Because using the office time to do some of these things. Anytime there's a gift card, it'd be used in the, uh, whenever there's a staff meeting, it'll be used, uh, put in the bucket, names will be drawn, and it'll be given to different people, whoever's, whoever's names is drawn. So now, the temptation to keep the $100 gift card was there. It wasn't for keg, perhaps, I might have thought of. <laughs> but, okay, I didn't. Because... I knew what's the right thing to do. So I went back to the church, gave it to the, the HR person, and then, of course, the next staff meeting, it was given to other person. Perhaps they enjoyed it because they liked going to that place to eat. Anyway, the, the, the point is, 
there, there's many different ways we, we can gain and try to find ways to, to gain for our own self and be greedy. And that's his whole point. He's like, don't try to gain in dishonest ways. His message behind this qualification of not being greedy and gaining in dishonest ways is simply this. Don't do it. But there's also a plea with that. And the plea is to be generous. Instead of being greedy, be generous because you yourselves have experienced generosity through Christ. So reflect that generosity. And it is perhaps clear that some who were in leadership roles, such as deacons, were becoming greedy. That that he had to insert this here. Greed is a selfish gain for personal benefits. In other words, you, you, you always want what you want for yourself and you keep on asking and keep on wanting and keep on getting. It's all about me. I must have this. Why should they have it? Why can't I have it? He's like, no, you shouldn't do this. The, the, the analogy might be helpful here. A water hose is connected to, to the water. Um, the, the hose is connected to one end. It receives, but on the other end, it keeps on giving. If that makes sense. It's connected to one end. It receives from one end, but from the other end, keeps on giving. That's how Christians should be. Not keep on receiving and receiving, but we should also be giver as well. So the question we should be asking is this. Am I simply a giver or am I a gainer? Do I like to gain for myself or do I like to give as well? Qualification number five, verse nine. They must hold the mystery of faith. Of the faith with a clear conscience. Now, we studied this in chapter 1 in verses 5 and 6 and uh, 19 and 20. The, the false teachers in Ephesus have turned, turned away from the clear conscience and made shipwreck of their faith. Because the moment you, you lose sight of the clear conscience and, and, and you do not hold on to faith, it will lead, lead you in a different direction. So what he's writing, that, that these deacons should be the opposite. They should hold on to the faith and good conscience. Don't diverge from this. And then this mystery of the faith is the gospel revealed through Jesus Christ, witnessed and taught by the apostles. So therefore he's saying the deacons are the hands and feet of Christ. Therefore the apostles call for these deacons to, to embody these, these qualifications. They need to be sincere and serious and honest and hold on to the faith and conscience. Why is it important that these servants not only know and understand the Bible but to live it out? Because these deacons, these servants, these officers are dealing with the people. 
Therefore, they have to demonstrate that. What it means to be a follower of Christ. What it means to be a changed person. They shouldn't be going and taking advantage and leading people astray. Why? Because he writes then in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6, this he said, For among them are those who creep into the households, a capture weak woman, burdened with sins, and led astray by various passions. Because when you're dealing with people, you're dealing with all types of people. Some are stronger in the faith, some are weaker in the faith. So as you interact with those people, how you interact, it matters. How you represent and reflect, it matters. They need to be people whose lives reflect that they are truly changed by the Spirit of God. Qualification number six, uh, verse 10, and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Be tested. Because the false teachers in Ephesus were there. So therefore he's like anyone who wants to serve in the church, that they need to be tested. You need to examine them. You, you, this is, you, have you, you ever thought about this? That whenever you, the churches hire a pastor or any uh, individual for any position, you often uh, have a couple of references. You fill out the application, a couple of references. You call maybe one or two references. And then if it's for a pastoral position, you, you watch perhaps one or two sermons and that's it. How is this individual being tested, watched out, not spied, but watched out in how they live, how they conduct? It's a tall order. And this is why it's important to have all of these qualifications. One of the practices I have and most churches have is too, if anyone even wants to volunteer, you meet with the individual first. You get to know them, you ask their testimony, how they came to know Christ. And then one of the things, at least I ask, is what is the gospel? In maybe one or two minutes, what is the gospel? Help me understand that. Because there are different versions of the gospels out in the culture today that are not biblical. So you want to make sure that they understand what is the gospel. So when they do that, then you give them the application to fill it out. And when they do that, then you call the, the references that they have provided. And then you continue the rest of the process and, and assign the, 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 the volunteer work. And you're like, man, I will never be able to volunteer her anymore. We have to do this. Because we represent Christ, who's head of the church. And we, as the managers, we will report to him. Therefore, we have to do our due diligence to do what it takes to have the right people in place who can serve and lead. And that's why he wants to make sure that these guys are tested. Because they serve the people in the church and outside the church as a testimony. Charles Swindle, in his commentary, writes this, 
that writes this, he said that the word tested or examined were commonly used in the trade and crafting of metals. The most reliable means of determining the worth of a coin to heat it to the point of melting and examining its behavior. Deacons must be people who have been examined, not spied upon, but observed over a period of time to see how they respond to difficulties. It's important. That's why in, in, in many jobs, there's a three-month probation period. See how you conduct yourself. If you don't, adios. Right? He wants people to be tested first. We now then move to verse 11. And, and there's a shift all of a sudden here uh, from this leadership. Uh, and he, he uses the word again, likewise, in like manner. Uh, he says, their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Now, according to this translation, the question rises, can woman be a deacon? The answer is yes. Now, there's also some who say, no, I don't have the time because I've already been speaking for long enough to give you these four other reasons, but I'll just say the answer is yes. Why? Because when you look at this word, their wives, it's not found in the original Greek text. It just says woman. It, it doesn't say they're there. In the NIV, you will have the woman, which reads it, then he reads it this way, in, in, in the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect. So just like the male deacons, you have all of these qualifications to follow. Woman deacon, you have to have all of these things too, in order to serve. You can't just come up and start serving and do all these things and slander and gossip and all of that stuff. They need to be worthy of respect, not slanderers, but sober-minded, meaning be clear-headed, vigilant. Be on your guard. And we are also given this example of women serving in Romans 16, where Paul is pointing to Phoebe. And he, he writes this, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church. That the word servant is the same word that's used for deacon in our, in our passage this morning. Therefore, his point is, whether you're male deacon or female deacon, you must have these qualifications to serve the church. You can't just stand up or come and say, hey, I want to serve. Qualification number seven, let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their own children, uh, managing their own children and their own household. Paul stresses that this, this importance of a strong family life. A deacon must be able to serve the people under his own roof first. Because if he's not able to, then he's not able to, to also serve the church. It begins at home. And I won't say much because Pastor Paul last week uh, said, said a few uh, other things about that. But, but he's talking about husband and one wife. 
You, you need to, if you are married, you need to be husband of one wife. And if you're single, you, you're faithful to Christ and serve faithfully. And when you read all of this, all of these qualifications, you're like, man, this is a tall order. How can I do this? It is. But those who want to serve must lead by example. Why? Because Jesus himself led by example. He did not come to be served, but to serve. And gave his life as ransom for many. That's the example we follow. And that's why he says, whoever wants to be greater, they must be the servant first. So it's important. Now back to our Olympic qualification introduction. As I mentioned earlier, that those who compete in the Olympics, at the end, if they win, they, they get the award. They get their medal because they, they competed and, and they went through the qualification. But what's the reward for those who are serving? Verse 13 tells us, for those who serve well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also a great confidence in the faith that is in Jesus Christ. The one who competes in the Olympics gets the medal, but the one who serves well as a deacon gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Philip Toner in his commentary writes this, the first verse 13 concludes the list of requirements for office with an encouragement to those who serve well. The apostasy of some elders and deacons in Ephesus, almost certainly lowered opinions about leaders and leadership in the church and in the minds of outsiders. So confidence in the office and in the people filling the office needed to be restored. Because those who were false teachers, people will say that they all like this. How can we restore this now? Today is the same confidence that needs to be maintained in order to serve well. And those who serve are an example of Christ's love. Many of you serve in different roles here at King Road. We, we have finance committee, we have a kitchen committee, we have a, have a parking attendant who helps you park your cars or keep an eye on your cars while you're here worshiping. We have Sunday schools and, and youth and young adults, people helping. If all of these people are not serving, it will be a mess here. So we want to say, I want to say, thank you for your faithful service. Because you, when you're leading, you are demonstrating the love of God in tangible ways. We even in May, we did the single moms event. 60 of you showed up to help, to bless the community. That was a ways to, to bless the community. To serve them and to love them. And we praise God for all of that. 
Because that's what a service should be like. Yesterday, my wife and I were at uh, our friend's 80th birthday. This friend, he's been a mentor, uh, a man who I look up to. And as they're celebrating, there's about 45 people in, in, in Vancouver celebrating his 80th birthday. And everyone who stood up said some incredible things. And all the things they said, he's a Christian guy. All the things everybody said, there were non-Christians in the room too. And all the things that were said, they all said that this guy served everyone really well. He was known for his service amongst Christians and non-Christians. Even the non-Christians who were there, they were testifying to this. That how he would go and help at UGM or help at Rotary Club or other areas, wherever. His legacy is his service. He's known for this genuine service. And it was a testament to, to everyone in the room. So the question is, when we pass away, how do we want to be remembered? How do we want to be remembered? He served well. So can we then say, like this famous hymn writer says this, take my life and let it be. Take my hands and let them move. At the impulse of thy love, take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing. Take my silver and my gold. Take my will and make, make it thine. Take my love, my Lord, I pour. In other words, everything I am, everything I have, is all because of him, and I must use it for his service and for his fame so that his name is glorified throughout. Amen. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that we can come this morning and sing and study your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who served us by giving himself. So, Jesus, we look to you as we look for ways to serve or as we serve you. We ask that would you find us faithful. Would you help us to embody these qualifications that we just read and learned? We ask that you, by your Spirit, do your work in us and through us so that we'll be able to reflect and represent you. Because you led us by example. So help us to look to you. So we thank you for your word. We ask that would you accomplish your purpose through this. And now as we sing, that our hearts will be encouraged. That we'll continue to look, you, look to you and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. You can find us on social media at King Road Church. Have a great week.